Okay, well, welcome to Writing Off the Deep End. I'm Mary Thaler. And I'm Jeffrey Edwards. And today we have, as a special treat, a writer of nonfiction, science fiction, literary fiction, all kinds of fiction. And she's joining us from San Francisco, where she, like we, are all uh, under some form of lockdown during this period. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what got you into writing and what kind of writing you do? Yeah, so, man, what got me into writing? Okay, so both my parents are writers, which means two things. Firstly, we were really broke all the time, uh, so there wasn't any money for any other kind of extracurricular activity, and writing is free. And the other one is they definitely encouraged me in writing and influenced me in that, I think. So you write a lot of science fiction, as well as some other genres mixed in. But science fiction has been, been one of your focuses. What do you think it is about science fiction that we need so much at, at this time or at any time? So firstly, ideas. I also work in my day job in a creative, in the creative industry in advertising. And, you know, we depend on ideas. The dedicated exploration of ideas. There's a way of approaching ideas where we have a bunch of them and then we just explore the ones we gravitate to and find everything that's right and wrong about them. And I think the best science fiction does that and the best creative work. So you also write science reporting as well, right? I have done science journalism in the geosciences. I have been pretty involved with the paleontology community. One of the projects I'm most proud of in that was a conference called the called SVP. It's the Society of Vertebrate Paleontology. And one of my friends who's a paleontologist in that field had suggested we do a diversity photo shoot of paleontologists from diverse backgrounds because there's this common media image of the paleontologist who just looks like the guy from Jurassic Park. There are guys who look like that, but it's certainly not all of them. And that's not the direction that it's moving either. That field is growing very fast. The people who are coming into it now are from much, much more diverse backgrounds. So we thought, let's do a photo shoot of the people who are in this community. So we did that and we got a lot of really like positive response and enthusiasm. And it actually led to, to even more uh, press for them. And I got to interview them in depth, a, li a little bit like you guys are doing to me now. <laughs> <laughs> and this leaks through into your fiction writing too, right? So uh, one of my science fiction short stories is called A Layer Thin as Breath. The main character in that story is an exopaleontologist. But I was fascinated with the idea of exopaleontology as a science fictional idea of, well, you know, if you're going to go looking for life on other planets, what about fossils on other planets? One thing that comes up in the, in the story actually is something that will be very familiar to paleontologists, which is main character is afraid briefly that this alien thinks that she's actually an exo-archaeologist. <laughs> and of course, paleontologists are always getting mistaken for archaeologists, and it's something that all of them have 
experienced. The wonderful thing about that story is it's about bridging the to the other, reaching out and understanding someone who's really different from us. And I think that's a, a, something you've come back to a lot in your different kinds of writing. It's definitely a topic that fascinates me. I mean, I, I'm a communication professional in my day job as well. So communication is, is something that I find it's just an endlessly fascinating topic. Another, another piece of that story, it was this idea, how would you design an interface for someone you literally knew nothing about, an alien? You don't know what kind of planet it's going to. Are they going to breathe oxygen? Are they going to have hands? How can you possibly design anything for them at all, not knowing anything except that they could possibly use this tool. My husband, of course, is a user interface designer, so he helps me hash this out. He's like, I ended up coming up with a collection of ideas that's turned into principles for this. If you're starting with the assumption that, okay, well, they're a user, and thinking about all of the different species just that we know of that are tool users, crows and elephants and dolphins and octopuses. Like, what do we know about these animals? What do they have in common? What don't they have in common? Just do a bit of an exploration of that. And there's so many fascinating ways that they have communicating with each other that we totally haven't cracked yet. Thinking about frequencies. So in the story, there's this sort of calibration sequence that the alien goes through with her to try and figure out how she communicates. And there's points where like that calibration sequence gets way too intense and is almost, it's like excruciating or it's far too low and she can't hear it at all. I ended up doing a talk about it and it was at like a web design conference. And I think a lot of people were kind of hoping for something that was more specific to web design, but I was like just way out there with the science fiction and the aliens. And, and then, yeah, I, I brought a lot of that into the story with me because I wanted to really explore it in a narrative form. And I have an essay where I took everything from that talk and just wrote it out in an essay form. So it's all there. It's called UX for Aliens. Growing Swirling Clouds. It's about a robot who is left behind on a generation ship with several older people when they reach their planet. So the generation ship goes through space. When they finally get there, there's a few people who just aren't going to be able to make the journey down to the planet. They're old. It comes down to just this robot and the last remaining older woman who's on the ship. And there's a couple of struggles that happen. One of them with a situation down on the planet that they can't do anything about it. So they're both helpless to stop it. And the relationship between them that becomes a challenge for the robot over time and I think of also a big challenge for the other woman. I've, I've been fascinated with the idea of a generation ship since I was a kid, actually. Like the very first time I ever tried to write a novel, I was like 13, and it was about a girl who had grown up on a generation ship. It starts when they land and she has to find out how to make it home. And I still want to get back to that one someday because I still like that idea a lot. My grandmother was going into home hospice and she had heart failure. So the, the woman in that story is, what she's going through is a lot of what my grandmother went through. 
And in a pretty big way, the robot is kind of me and the robots in this role of like a caregiver. I wanted to write about it because it's not a story that gets told often enough, especially in science fiction. Yeah, I think science fiction can have a tendency to deal in grand images, something vast. And I loved that the story just reaffirmed that these small gestures of everyday care are never not going to be important no matter what the future brings. What are you m- most excited about now to write? Like what, what, what's ahead for you? I've been working on a novel for about a year and a half. It's about a world, uh, specifically it's in Northern California. It takes place about 200 years from now. And in this world, the relationship between humanity and nature got worse and we broke up. There's the, there's the city-states that everyone lives in that are walled city-states. And then there's the nature outside of the city-states where no one's allowed to go and it's all managed by a networked drone intelligence, like a big AI. And the only people who can go there are called rangers and people who they accompany for scientific research. So my main character is a ranger and she's on a mission to go after a trespasser. But the idea of an AI that manages the wilderness, it feels so much like a nature spirit or a nature deity to me that we could actually make. So a kind of artificial Gaia. Yeah, yeah, that's an idea that is certainly like fascinating to me. So I was, I was raised by neo-pagans and like earth religion. So the idea of nature having this consciousness is something that goes all the way, literally all the way back for me. And playing with it in a science fictional context has been a lot of fun. But the most interesting thing about this book for me has been the research that I've done for it. I started off with this idea of like, oh, well, what if we didn't allow people in nature anymore and had drones manage it and like all our food was wildcrafted? In order to find out this information, I'm looking at these books of indigenous foodways and learning all about the incredible amount of work that indigenous people put into the landscape that I've spent almost my entire life in for like 12,000 years to create this incredibly rich and diverse food yielding landscape. It was a total revelation. Like I, I had heard that there was indigenous land management in California, but I had no idea what the extent of it was. The science fictional way that that I'd imagine for the future fell short of what it actually had been before colonization. <laughs> like there's stories of flocks of geese that darken the sky and grizzly bears flocking around whale carcasses on the beach by like the dozens. And it's just, it was like, I couldn't believe how short my imagination was of just what we'd lost in California. And it's, it was an absolute revelation and honestly, like really heartbreaking and trying to address that in my book and trying to work in all of that indigenous history without cultural appropriation. 
So that, uh, that my utopia, the more I researched it, became a dystopia. <laughs> what she said earlier about why science fiction gives us ideas and it gives us scope to explore the ideas. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Scope. I like that. Thank you, Kaya. We really appreciate you being here to talk with us. Thank you. That's been wonderful. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and don't forget to subscribe to hear more. We're going to be doing some episodes focusing on, on genres. Yeah, uh, so um, we both write historical fiction. Mm -hmm. We've done different things with historical fiction. So we've done, you know, 19th century, but we've done earlier periods as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, or 20th century. So um, Yeah, we're going to talk uh, about some level of work that goes into this particular right. kind of writing. Okay. So, so uh, we're looking forward to seeing you again. And uh, thanks for watching. Bye-bye. Thank you.